Good morning, good morning. Anybody need sermon notes, wave at me. All right, here on the front row, on the back row. Give me a $2, $3, but no. I always feel like we auctioning off something. If you need sermon notes, raise your hand. The ushers will take care of you. You know, this morning, uh, we're going to do uh, communion today. Excited about that. And, and it's more than just a religious act. I want to encourage you to get in the spirit. It's what Jesus has done for us. And that's what I'm reminding you today of this magnificent salvation. That's the title of this sermon, that we have a magnificent salvation. And you need to take a hold of it, and you need to remember what Jesus has done, and you need to get a hold of the things of God. So are you ready? Okay, two of us. That's make three. me make three. Come on, let's get ready. We're going to read Hebrews 2, 1 through 4. We're going to read it in the message. It just explains it a little bit different. And if you're King James only, that's okay. We're going to read this, and you'll get it the same thing. Are you ready? Here we go. It's crucial that we keep a firm grip on what we've heard so that we don't drift off. Okay, I'm going to stop right there. If this is my salvation, I need to keep it out in front of me. That I don't drift off. You know, I had opportunities this week to drift off. Thanksgiving Day, my dishwasher leaked, or that's when I found out it was leaking. My floors are buckling. I'm talking buckled hardwoods. Makes you want to go, okay, Lord, you know. And then uh, I'm frustrated on Thanksgiving Day working on a dishwasher. I had to repent to my family. I'm repenting to y'all. Y'all wasn't even there. And, and, you know, things happen in frustration and, you know, just you aggravated about stuff. And then Friday comes, I'm carrying towels. Well, let me say, we moved a couch that day from the top level all the way down to the basement. It was the wrong couch, so you know how men are. That was frustrating. So it's just piling up on me, you know. And Friday, I'm carrying towels down and got good hardwood stairs. And I, took, I made the seven steps down. I counted them all and then seven steps down. And when I turned left to take that seven steps, my feet went up high and I went down on my back, da 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 all the way down. I did say Jesus, you know, on the way down. <laughs> but it is aggravating. It stinks getting old. I don't blame it on being old, not clumsy. But anyway. Anyway, there are things to come to distract you, to put your salvation behind you and get in the flesh. The Bible calls it carnality or being carnal or fleshly. And we're all attacked every day. And it's always somebody pulls out in front of you or tries to run over you in Walmart parking lot. He's right over there with a hat on. He's a state trooper. No, I got out of his way. And I waved at him. But anyway, I was playing. But, you know, things happen to, to, to make you lose your grip. That's what Sierra shared this morning in the rally. Keep a grip on, on your salvation. Keep a grip on Jesus. Keep a grip on the things of God. Because there is all kinds of distractions. Hunting and fishing and dancing and whatever you into. Whatever. We're in America. We're in the entertainment. And it will distract you from your salvation. And God wants to be first. Jesus wants to be Lord and King. And so that's really what this, we have a magnificent salvation. We need to take a hold of it. So many people neglect it. Okay? So, so let's keep reading. Uh, uh, that we don't drift away, that we uh, don't drift off. If the old message delivered by the angels, that's talking about the Old Testament, was valid and nobody got away with anything, do you think we can risk neglecting this latest message, this magnificent salvation? First of all, it was delivered in person by Jesus the master. 
and then accurately passed on to us by those who heard it from him, the apostles, the disciples. And while God was, uh, was validating it with gifts through the Holy Spirit, all sorts of signs and miracles as he saw fit. So we're going to talk about these three witnesses. Number one is Jesus, the master. Jesus came, and he, he, he came to show us who the Father was and who, what the Father was about, what God. You know, he's the first one to really call God Father. He brought the revelation that it's about family. Come on, we just had Thanksgiving. Some of y'all may have spent time alone, but look at your family here. Amen. Come on, this is family, Amen. and God's our Father. You know, it's, it can be frustrating. You know, I say I was frustrating. I'm looking at, okay, wonder what this floor is going to cost. But, you know, my father's got it. Amen. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He can sell some of them. He can help me out. I just get, you get, we all get caught up in what's going on, what the lack we don't have, or this or that and the other. And we got to maintain our focus. What does it matter when I get to heaven? You think I'm going to be worried about hardwood floors or a dishwasher leaking? No. So, so always remind yourself, what does it matter in the light of eternity? What does it matter? We got Jesus. We got the Father. And Jesus came. Jesus came to reveal the Father. He was sent by God. He came to unveil the plan and seal the new covenant with his own precious blood. Man, isn't that awesome? Listen to this. In Hebrews, same chapter in verse 14, 15, we'll read it in the message again. And says, since the, ch the children are made of flesh and blood, it's logical that the Savior took on flesh and blood in order to rescue them by his death. Jesus was the Son of God. He was the Son of Man. Mary was his mother. Christmas is coming. But God was his Father, the Holy Spirit. Come on. And so Jesus was God, but he was man. And it's deeper, it's, it's deeper than that. It's hard to explain, but you know, a simple part of it is right here. He became a man to shed his blood, to be our sacrifice, to be our perfect sacrifice, the Lamb of God. And so here, here it is, uh, that he was made flesh and blood. It's logical that the Savior took on flesh and blood in order to rescue them by his death. By embracing death, taking it into himself, he destroyed the devil's hold on death and freed all who cower through life, scared to death of death. We shouldn't be scared to death of death. Now, I'm going to go ahead and say it. I said it at a funeral last week. I hate death. I hate it. Nothing in me wants to die. But I'm not going to die. I may die physically. I'm going to live forever. And I have made my decision. I'm going to heaven. Okay? And I have made my decision, and so everything we're talking about today should lead to evangelism that we need to be sharing with people to receive Jesus. And so, so, so as we look at this, we need to remember that Jesus conquered death. Okay? And, and I want to remind you, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Come on, if you can quote that, wave at me. And if you can't, you can go ahead and wave. But if you can quote that, you can get the whole world saved. Quit saying, well, but you know, I, I don't know what to say. There it is. But actually, the next verse or in 17 says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already. 
You know, I could get up here and be one of those preachers like when I was growing up and they preached against things. Can't do this, can't do that, don't do this, don't do that, do that, that. And we're like, oh, can I even look around? But have you ever played the car? Your kids ever played the game, the car game, driving down, you're making a long drive? What color car are you going to pick? Blue, red, and start counting red cars, red cars. There goes one, two, three. I got three red cars, four. If you don't focus on red cars, you'll never see them. If you don't focus on your salvation, that's why I don't preach against condem or condemn you. I'm trying to preach righteousness to you so you focus on being right with God. We're called to be right with God. I'm not called to preach against that preacher over there, that preacher over there, that preacher in England, or this preacher there. I'm called to preach the truth so you can live the truth. We all have to walk in truth to the best of our ability. And me preaching again, don't do that, don't do that, all you're looking at is the don't do's. But this is a magnificent salvation, and we got a lot of do's that we can do. And we need to start doing them. We need to start being right with God. We need to start praying. We need to start building relationships with people. We need to start pouring into God and God pouring into us, pouring into our children, pouring into our grandchildren, pouring into our grandmothers. Hmm? Just can't say amen, say oh me then. You know, Jesus said in John 10, 18, no man takes my life, I lay it down. I give it. Man, there were several times he walked away when people were trying to kill him. He just walked out of the way, but he knew when it was the time, and it was a perfect time. If you study it out, it was perfect time in history that he was born, that he lived, and that he died. Guess what? You're in the perfect time for you to be on this planet. God put you here for this magnificent salvation at this time. Don't waste it. Come on, it's time to live for him. That was what the word. They don't know what I was preaching. That's what the word was. And it's time to take that step. So number two, the witness of the saints. We got a lot going on. We're having fun today. The witness of the saints. Us New Testament people. Come on, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Well, it's the apostles. It could be the apostles, but there was more than just the apostles. Luke was not an apostle, but he was a witness. Huh? James, Jesus' brother was a pastor in Jerusalem. Him and Peter were the, the hierarchy. Paul went to them and said, this is what I'm preaching. This is what God's doing. He said, look, here's Titus. Look at what, man, he's full of the Spirit. He's, he's full of love. He's a preacher. He's a prophet. He's a teacher. And so uh, he came. And so as we look at these witnesses, and I want to come on, let's take a logical view of some of this, okay? I, I, want, I, I got it in the Spirit. I want you to get in the Spirit, but I want to explain some things to get your mind. I'm going to go ahead and say, is there any kids in here? Get your mind to shut up. Sometimes you need to tell your mind to shut up. And, and so, so, so listen to this. This is an important part of our salvation, uh, the written testimony, the Word of God. Jesus is the Word that became flesh. Jesus is perfect doctrine, okay? Jesus is the Word in the beginning and so, but right now, in this moment, I want to emphasize the resurrection, okay? Let's wrap our mind around the resurrection. If you heard it today that somebody raised from the dead, most of us scoff. We scoff at the supernatural. And you ever notice that just about everything on TV that's got some kind of supernatural in it, they're chasing ghosts, which there's no such thing as, there's demons is what they're chasing. 
uh, they're chasing, you know, Uncle, you know, this and that. You see vampires, uh, aliens, or supernatural demons morphing into people, and they're, you know, just all kinds of TV shows to make you numb to the supernatural things of God, to make you scoff. Well, that, that's just like a TV show. That's got to be, you watch something on YouTube, it's all so fake. And when something, God really does something, you see somebody get out of a wheelchair, you're like, ah, they probably faked that. No. Come on, you have got, you're, there is a part of you that wants to believe for God. And God is supernatural. It's his natural, but it's super to us. And God wants his, that word of knowledge. You know, if you're looking for that other job, Come on, you need to hear the Word of God. If you're, if you're carrying too much junk like I was talking about this week, that's Miss Dinah's prophetic word, is to lay that aside. Let's run, let's run with Jesus for a little while. But in 1 Corinthians 15, the whole chapter, the whole chapter is about Jesus having victory over death. And I, I want to start off, and, and I want to read this, and then we're going to break it down and think about this just for a minute. All right? And 1 Corinthians uh, 3 through 8, For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. All the Old Testament was trying to get Jesus into the earth. All the crazy things that you might think were crazy, like wipe out that whole village, that was to keep, that's bring Jesus into the earth. Something would have kept Jesus. God's always moving behind the scenes. He's always been moving. And guess what? He's moving behind the scenes right now to bring Jesus back. And will he find faith when he comes? Stir yourself up to start believing God. So, so uh, Christ died. Verse 4. And that he was buried and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And that he was seen of Peter and by the twelve, the twelve disciples, the twelve apostles or disciples. And after he was seen, after Oh, excuse me, after that he was seen by over 500 brethren at once. We're talking about the resurrection, the resurrected Christ. Seen by the 12, seen by five, everybody say 500. We just think it was just those 12. And he was seen uh, by 500 and the greater part are still alive or remain until the present, but some have fallen asleep or have died. And after that, he was seen by James, which was his brother who became pastor, and, and all the apostles. And then he was seen also of me. This is Paul talking out of due time. Jesus appeared to uh, Paul and taught him things. And so, okay, okay, if this is a made-up story, let's just say it's a made-up story that you know, they put Jesus in the tomb. They rolled the stone up. Somebody rolled the stone away and stole the body, and they made up this story that he's resurrected. Because that's what the Roman soldiers said. That's what they told, you know, and then the, the Sanhedrin and all them said, you know, we're just going to stick with that story. Now, if I told a, a made-up story like that, and I got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten people, and I'm going to tell you all this made-up story, and you go, well, you know, well, I kind of, pastor's kind of all right, you know, my, I, I kind of, uh, it's kind of far-fetched, but I, I believe pastors, are, you know, those, those 12 disciples, they wouldn't make up that. But then it comes time to, I'm going to kill you. Do you really believe you're going to die for it? Are you ready to die for what he told you? Uh, no, I, I'm going to take, uh, excuse me, 
I'm going to get out of here. They died for it. Nobody denied it. They went to their deaths because they knew that he was alive. They physically saw him, but guess what? I haven't physically seen him, but I have the Spirit of God on the inside of me, and I know that I know that I know that I know that he is alive. Come on. The resurrection Jesus is alive. But see, when you think about it on that, say, oh, I'm going to tell you a secret. Jesus didn't really raise from the dead. If I told these four people, and I love them all right here, but if I told you all a secret, how long do you think it'd be before you wouldn't even hit the glass door somebody didn't know about it? That's just the way we are. It was not a secret. It was not a made-up story. These people died for it. James, Jesus' brother, was either stoned. He was probably stoned for it. They did not make this story up. Jesus is alive. Guess what? Nobody dies for dead men. Even Napoleon said that. Napoleon then said, he talked about it. He studied all the great conquerors. He said, you know what? We conquered not by our wisdom. We conquered by violence. But Jesus' kingdom was built on love. And there are millions of people that will die for him today. He's got to be alive. He's got to be alive. So he is alive. Make that decision that you know that Jesus is alive, that he is the resurrected Lord, that he is king. He's the king of glory, and he's everything that we need. So if you look at the scripture we had, number three, we're going to do communion here in a little bit. We've got a lot going on, but number three is the Holy Spirit. Man, the Holy Spirit backs everything that, that, that we preach, everything that we teach, everything that's in the Word of God. And some people deny the move of the Holy Spirit. The simple move that we had this morning, people deny that. Come on. You can't get saved without the Holy Spirit. It ain't up here. It's in here. This is head knowledge. Head knowledge make you, you, you all right, if you got head knowledge of Jesus, you're not going to die for him. I'm not dying for George Washington. I don't care what you're telling me about it. Wooden teeth, chopped down a cherry tree. I got a lot of information on George Washington, first president, general. Went through a, a fight with the red coats, and he had bullet holes all through his jacket. But I'm not dying for that cat. I'm die, I would die for Jesus, but not George. Love George. I'm glad he's our first president. You see the difference? It's head knowledge about George Washington. It's heart knowledge about Jesus. Amen. My spirit. You know, I asked the youth last Sunday night, I said, what's the best part of watermelon? They go the middle part. I said, that's called the heart. No seeds in it. It's really sweet. That's the best part of a watermelon. The best part of you is your spirit, your heart. The spirit of the man is the candle of the Lord. So, and that's where the Holy Spirit speaks to you. The Holy Spirit speaks to you in your spirit, man. That's why we have to develop our spirit. And the Holy Spirit backs the Word of God. It makes it real. I know that God is real because His Spirit lives in me. And I've learned to get that witness. So, so it's the, it's, it's, the gifts of the Spirit are given to testify this magnificent salvation. Signs that follow them that believe. These are the gifts of the Spirit. In Acts 2.22, Peter's preaching. The Spirit of God had just pour, been poured out that day, that morning, and they flow out into the streets, and they had this power of God. And some of y'all have this power of God, 
And I, I'm guilty too. We got this power of God. Guess what? It goes with us to Lowe's. It goes with us to Walmart. It goes with us to the grocery store. It goes with us to work. We have this power of God. Peter had the power of God and he began to preach. Thousands got saved. Come on. If he had never said anything, see, he had to obey. Don't you know he's shaking in his boots? Yes. But it says, men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did through him in your midst as you yourself also know. Well, yeah, Pastor Brett, but that was Jesus. I mean, you know, Jesus was the son of God and he did miracles because he's the son of God. And, 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 and uh-uh. No, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, the same spirit that Jesus flowed and walked in dwells in you is what the Bible says. So let's get our focus on this great salvation because you, it'll help you lead people to Jesus. You're talking about, well, I don't have a testimony. Yes, you do. And God wants to build on it. Look at the next scripture. Acts 2, 43. Then fear came upon every soul, for many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Well, it wasn't just Jesus. It was the apostles. Yeah. Well, hold on, hold on. Luke 9, 1. And he called the 12 disciples together, and he gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases, and he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Well, that's it, Paul Pastor. That's just the apostles. That's just for the apostles. Eh, wrong answer. Well, all right, Luke 10, 1. Luke 10, 1. And these things, after these things, the Lord appointed 70 others. I, 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 it's just really jumped out at me also. So is it the 12 plus 58 or is it the 70 plus 12, which is 82? And so if it's the 70 plus the 12, who are those 70? Or if it's the 58, who are those 58? They're not apostles. Uh-oh. That means we can walk in this stuff. Uh-oh. It's just for the apostles. No, no. Who are those 58? Or who are those 70? Because when it said also, it makes me think they're 70 plus the 12. So who are those 70 people? Normal people who loved Jesus, who followed. They were Jesus followers. The Bible doesn't say that uh, just apostles. It says believers can pray for the sick and they'll recover. That's what it said, believer. Got any believers in here? It's time to start praying for the sick, ain't it? Man, that's one of the biggest enemies that we have is sickness. It is. And, and, and it's used as weapons. It's used as weapons for the enemy, used as weapons in the flesh. We got to be careful. We got to get prayed up, don't we? So, so look, it says he sent out the other 70 and uh, two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. When I'm going to jump to verse 9 for time's sake. And it says, and heal the sick there and, and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. The kingdom of God is at hand, the King James says. The kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of God is here. Guess what? The kingdom of God came with you, Christian. Yeah. 
It lives on the inside of you. So, so what you do, you know, I'm getting thirsty. I do the same thing. Holy Spirit, come help me. Holy Spirit, help me. I repent being in the flesh this week. I repent to my family. I've already repented my family because, you know, you get frustrated and aggravated and you go, stuff just starts stacking up and stacking up. And I know I'm the only one. Y'all know y'all are so angels. I'm preaching to the angels. I'm showing you how bad it can get, though. But the Bible says that Jesus is touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He knows exactly what we go through. And I dare say he may have got frustrated in the spirit with his 12 disciples. Those knuckleheads will wear you out. But Jesus, he's touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but he's not. Let me say this. He's not moved by. Okay. Your toddler will whine and cry to get its way to move you. Jesus is moved by faith. Because here's, if, if God was moved, not Jesus' touch, he knows what it's about, he's been there, but faith is what moves him. Because if the devil would make you cry and then Jesus moves, then he's going to use you to move Jesus. He's going to start controlling Jesus with you. Do you think about that? So Jesus moves by faith. And we have to get in faith. Sometimes we got to suck it up in the tears. We got to suck it up in the pain and aggravation and the frustrations of life. And we're going, I'm going to believe God. I'm going to believe God. You know, I told a story about this, this girl was in a singing group and her testimony, her parents were pastors and they said, you answer the phone. I believe God. She goes, she became a teenager. She's like, this is embarrassing. So they'd call her and see if she'd answer the phone. I believe God. Why would they do that? Because when pressures of life come, she's going to come out of her heart. I believe God. I believe God. Me bouncing down those seven steps all the way to the bottom. I had Jesus come out of my mouth. May have been hurting when I got to the bottom. And, you know, Lisa going, you all right? I said, I don't know yet. Let me get up. Anyway, I'm sorry to keep talking about that. So, in verse 17 of the same Luke 10, then the 70 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And then he goes and says, thank God your name's written in the Lamb's book of life. It should be a natural thing for salvation. Gifts of the Spirit are not salvation. They're not salvation. We have this magnificent salvation, but it's a part of the package. You know, we start off with Psalms 103, 1 through 5. Jesus forgives our sins. Uh, he heals our diseases. He redeems our life from destruction. He crowns us with loving kindness. Come on. That's, that's all in the package. But we're children of God first. And all these, the Holy Spirit will back you when you go to witness to somebody. That's what he's saying. I got you back. You know. One of my, my, this big old boy was kind of wanting to beat up my little brother. Well, I had his back. God's got our back. Anyway, let's embrace these three witnesses. Jesus, the Word, the Holy Spirit. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about Legacy Church and other resources, visit us online at LegacyFamily.info.